future. This, this is future talk. Future talk. Welcome, welcome to, to future, future talk. talk. <laughs> uh, no, but really, welcome to a most excellent '80s movie podcast on the most excellent podcast network. It's a podcast where a filmmaker and a comedian take a very close look at the neighborhood shenanigans of the '80s movies that we love. This is season one, episode ten, "The Burbs." Our movie selection from 1989. All Tom Hanks wanted was a quiet vacation at home. This is what I need, Carol. I, I need this. Welcome to Mayfield Place. A typical street in the Burbs. Morning, Walter. Where nothing much ever happened. Walter's dog just took a dump on Rumsfield's lawn again. Until the Clopex moved in. Clopex? Clopex. Clopex. No one goes in. No one comes out. Neighbors from hell. It was a nice place to live. He said he thinks the Clopex are evil incarnate. Well, you're much too smart to fall for that, aren't you, honey? But now... Carol! You wouldn't want to visit there. Ray, this is Walter. No! I'm going over the fence, and I'm not coming back till I find a dead body. Ray, do you want him to take your family, kidnap them, tear their livers out, and make some kind of satanic pate? We found Walter! We got a real problem. I hit the gaslight, I'd run! God, I love this street. Tom Hanks. I think we are overreacting. No. The Burbs. It's one hell of a neighborhood. Hey, honey. I think we should move. The Burbs. I'm Chrissy Lenz, uh, improviser and uh, director at the National Comedy Theater, Phoenix. And with me tonight is... Nathan Blackwell, uh, filmmaker, man about town, writer-director of Squishy Studios. Yeah. All right. Uh, So what is your history with the burps uh i don't think i've seen this since i first rented it on vhs oh no <laughs> i don't think yeah i don't think i've seen it since 1990 1991 so it's been a while but i, I definitely remember seeing it it was yeah we um we had a neighborhood uh, video store superstar video and um Rest in peace. Um, but uh, yeah, and so we we didn't go when we were young, and you know, I had a single mom, and we didn't go to movies that all that often. There were just like a couple of them that we would uh, go to every year, like the big ones, like the Star Wars movies, or oh, Karate Kid, like these big marquee ones. But all these kind of like weird looking, neat ones. That was always Dollar Day at. Uh, superstar video so we'd rent we'd get a movie about once a week or so and and the burbs was one of those yeah it's been been a while been a while i remember seeing this movie in the theater so this is 1989 so i'm eight at this point um we were actually visiting universal studios when they were filming this at universal studios so i remember being with my family and taking the studio tour and uh, it, it, during the part where they would sort of drive through the neighborhood where the Munsters mm-hmm. house is, which is where they filmed this. Um, now it's like where the housewives. Desperate. Yeah. The desperate housewives, not the real housewives, the desperate ones. Some desperate housewives is filmed. <laughs> um, 
and we couldn't go down that street and the you know the tour guide's like oh they're filming a movie right there right now it's the burbs with tom hanks and uh i remember we they stopped for a minute and they were like be very quiet and we like heard screaming like ah and so <laughs> i've always felt a, uh, a connection so, yeah we went to see it in the oh, theater yeah. yeah and i remember um quoting this movie with my siblings a lot like especially the satan is good satan is our pal um so i did have two fun facts that i looked up that i wanted to to share right from the top before we jump in right uh, because i think it'll put it in context a little bit um but i I guess there was a writer strike happening yes that was i'd wanted i wanted to bring that up because the one thing it's like um definitely at the beginning it's it's pretty well done but as the movie unfolds or unspools you definitely kind of sense like oh they kind of let them improv a lot on this there's a lot of like bits of fat or just like a lot of just extra shoe unnecessary shoe leather like people going up you know rooftops and then eating crackers and then like little side bits and like they couldn't it's it's like they need to kind of trim out like like a good eight minutes out of this movie yeah, I agree. And yeah, because they weren't actually allowed to do any writing. So yeah, they you, just so during yeah, during the writing writer strike, you're not allowed to physically do any writer, rewriting. Like the writer is not allowed to come up with stuff. So basically the way around that is actors improving, like, you know, just making things up on the spot, but mm-hmm. you can't. Yeah, that's that's another good argument to getting the script as good as possible before you start making a movie. Yeah. Um, and I guess they shot it in sequence, which like we just did breakfast club, which is also shot in sequence. And we're like, well, that's so unusual, but and you, ET too. So do you think that that was so that they, if they had to improvise something, they wouldn't have to go back and reshoot. Well, with the burbs, it's it looks like it, the whole thing was on the lot, mm-hmm. and so they they had that entire neighborhood. It was all uh, outdoor set, and then probably the indoor sets were actually the same as the outdoor. Like you'd go into them, with some exceptions, like mm-hmm. you know, like uh, I, I'm sure like the 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 house where they they're like chainsawing stuff up. That was a special build. You know, and probably the bad guy's house, um, not to generalize or specify. In <laughs> <laughs> the alternate ending, it's it's hard to tell who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. Yeah. Whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe that was kind of a consideration with the writer's strike. Depends on if it happened, like, during the movie or beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that you, you could kind of... You could definitely make that would be as a director, you'd make that argument of like, well, I mean, we've got, you know, the whole thing is on the lot. Let's just shoot in sequence and any improvs we come up with, we can develop and continue to have throughout Mm -hmm. the movie. Mm -hmm. So that does make some sense. Yeah, because I I think that a lot of the Tom Hanks rant at the end was was improvised and like the part where he picks up his gurney and puts it into the thing. Uh, was all interested, so I thought that was an interesting thing to, to mention right at the top. And then just the other thing that I thought was really a special fun fact was that the poodle Queenie <laughs> is also precious from Silence of the Lambs. Uh, so wow, that dog did a lot of work in the late eighties, early nineties. That dog is a superstar. All right, the Burbs. Uh, so 
We start with that zoom in on planet Earth. Right, the Google Maps zoom in. That must have been really impressive in 1989. Oh, though. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's it, it's kind of like the computer-generated sequence in like Star Trek The Wrath of Khan where like the, the planet's being built. No one had ever seen anything like that. Like, yeah. And, and the whole symbolism in the burbs is like... You know, this is just one little corner in this tiny world. This is their kind of like little... You know, we never leave this small little cul-de-sac. It's yep. the whole story, the whole movie is just all in this small little space. And so uh, Tom Hanks was sort of nervous about taking this role because he was playing a dad and he didn't want to be seen as a dad. He still wanted to be, you know, big oh, yeah. and all the all the things he'd been yeah, doing Yeah, big so was well only at. a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love how this movie starts where he's just out in his yard and he hears all these weird sounds from his neighbor's basement and then he steps onto their dead lawn and the wind starts blowing. <laughs> he steps on his lawn yeah. and it immediately stops. And we, then we sort of meet the characters of the neighborhood. Yeah. We we do the introduction. You know, we meet Bruce Dern, and his, who's kind of a, uh, an, an ex-Vietnam vet, uh, military nut. Um, uh, and then his super hot wife who enjoys, um, very skimpy outfits and gardening and has no tan lines. <laughs> um, and then we, we've got the, uh, the old fussy, uh, neighbor who has a toupee and a poodle. Walter. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, we've got the quote unquote best friend slash worst enemy. Mm-hmm. That's Art played by a Canadian comedian whose name es- escapes me. It's a hard name to remember. That's all I know. And then Corey Feldman, who also yeah. lives on this block. Yeah. What is his deal? Yeah, I, I think he is. Does he live on the block or is he just painting? Visiting his the, parents' house? Or painting the house? Yeah. He says free, He says a couple of times that it is his parents' house. Okay. And so he's looks like he's doing some odd jobs for them as they're out of town. Okay. He's, yeah. It must be spring break or something because the kid's out of school. Yeah. Tom Hanks has taken some time off for his nervous the kid who exhaustion. Does, is not in the last hour of the movie. No, we just—he's not an important thing. They could have not had a kid, and it would have been yeah. fine. Um, yeah. So Corey Feldman is just sort of there, and he's like painting the house, but he's painting it ba- both baby blue and fire engine red. It's not his forte. No, it's not his calling. <laughs> he's playing music really loud. Spilling paint everywhere, which really upset me, and like wearing leather jackets. Yeah, that upset me. But what I did like is that even though I could not figure out what his deal is, because he's like drinking beer with them too, mm-hmm. could not figure out what his deal is. But you know what? He's so like open and curious. Yeah, he's and a good ju- guy. Just supportive of the people in the neighborhood. He just wants to be a part of it. Yeah, he's kind of the commenter, mm-hmm. not the participant. Right. Um. So, did you? Did what? Give me a what a sense did oh, you get? Oh, we're of, missing Carrie Fisher. We oh, can't. Yeah, you have to marry Carrie Fisher. So, what did you think of like when we first meet Carrie Fisher and the son and Tom Hanks in his situation? Like, what was your take on, on the, what was happening here at the beginning? Because I thought it was really unclear. Oh, in terms of of their relationship, or just like what's the situation? Or yeah, what the motivation was for him to. In that scene where they establish that he's taken the week off from work. Right. But he's not going to go to the lake. Right. They're not going to go to a cottage. But he somehow needs this rest. Yeah. For reasons? 
Yeah, well, so we don't know why, but but I guess we're just meant to believe that he's like just like us, and he's gonna he's got a week of vacation, but he's not actually going to go somewhere and have an adventure. He just wants to sit around the house and drink a beer and watch the ball game. He wants it's to a have staycation. Yeah, he's exactly. The first one to do it. <laughs> Caught on film. <laughs> But why? Like, is it just like he's experiencing existential dread in the spiritual ennui of the suburbs? Like, it's, what was his problem? I, you know, I, 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 I mean, I, I thought he made his argument pretty clear with that he just didn't, he didn't want to go out to the cabin where you'd have an annoying neighbor and you get bit by bugs. He didn't want to, he really didn't want to do anything except be lazy. I just, I kept feeling like Carrie Fisher was in particular kept hinting at you're going to come back at the end of this week and be worse than you were before. Like as if he was on the line about to snap or something. And uh-huh. like, I didn't get that sense from him. And maybe that's a writer thing. Yeah. Maybe they could have cleared that up if they were able to. There were definitely kind of two different tones going on between them. Like there, uh-huh. there was something a little missing between a little development missing between Tom Hanks and Carrie Fisher, like in terms yes. of like, just kind of like as things progressed, them kind of realigning and communicating and yeah. Yeah. Cause I didn't get the sense that like they needed to clear it up. They needed to sort of just let me know what is the deal that he's so stressed out about because they're always, they're fighting a lot and they fight in a really mean yelly way. And then they'll be watching Jeopardy together and uh-huh. it's cute as cute as heck. And yeah, it just needed to be calibrated a bit. Yeah. You know, yeah, there were some some male female relationship issues in this movie that I I'm gonna take to task when we get to. I'm gonna put a pin in it for <laughs> All now. Right, written it down. Put a pin in it for now. Um, but I think that this is a trope of the '80s too, where like people would go eat breakfast in other people's houses. <laughs> so uh-huh. Art comes over and eats. Establishes himself have. as the as the annoying neighbor and mm-hmm. basically starts grabbing food out of the fridge. Including an entire pineapple. Yes. The king of fruit. And at some point he eats dog food. What? When does this happen? Yeah. So this is one of my, I'm going to call it a dishwasher moment from now on. Okay. Uh, based on vacation. Uh, right, right, Chevy right. Chase right. putting the dishes back in the cabinet. He's grabbing food out of wherever he can. Carrie yeah. Fisher walks by with the dog bowl. Art grabs just a fistful of it. And shoves it in his mouth and then like reacts. Mm-hmm. And then you see just over his shoulder, she's her set it down and call call the dog. Right. It's good. a blink and you miss it. I I blinked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt like the I felt like the first I wouldn't even say first half, like the first forty five percent was re- working really well. Yeah. You know, like I like the part where they're daring each other to walk up to the neighbor's door and it's yeah. like, are you chicken? Well, are you chicken? Yeah. It it wasn't until they they decided to go all in and investigate their crazy suspicious neighbors that things started to kind of loosen up and kind of get a little fatty in terms of the story and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought so okay, so um this movie is directed by Joe Dante, um who uh, has directed such films as uh, Gremlins, uh, Gremlins Two, uh, Inner Space. Dude, he did Gremlins Two. He did both. Of yes, them, right? yes, okay, yes. Inner Space, um, uh, which I, I love. Right. Inner Space. Small Soldiers. Um, so uh, 
it's super clear uh, that Warner Brothers cartoons and Looney Tunes and things like that are a big influence on him for this movie because it definitely has that kind of energy and like cartoon vibe. I he, I think he even did an Amazing Stories that was basically like a a cartoon episode. Yes, I think you're right about that. Yeah, so that's definitely he's definitely wearing it on his sleeve for this this episode, and he it, he's using it really well. And the times that this movie gets bogged down is when it's not as cinematic and it's a lot of like five people in a room and we're panning over to here and they're doing a thing and and for and then we're cutting over to something else it's when it's it's a little flat it's it's not quite alive you know i thought it was pretty funny though when they like cut to the dog like as they're walking mm-hmm. up to the porch the first time oh, when yeah. they dun, get attacked by bees dun. they yeah. like they cut in on everybody's face real tight and then they cut in on the poodle <laughs> That that struck That's me good. funny. Um, so yeah, I, I I so and then I also thought Joe Dante did a great job of it's like so okay so the these neighbors who live in a monotone gray house mm-hmm. um, uh, with dead plants um, they're mysterious, dark, and evil. Although a lot of people would pay a lot of money for the antiquing they've got going on in their on oh, the yeah. paint on their house, yeah. Like, I mean, inside it's a different story. But, People pay um, big bucks to have a uh, have the um... distressed jeans. So <laughs> <laughs> they see the trash thing happen. Right, the trash thing happens, and would you say that's kind of the turning point from? Oh yeah, so just... so so Joe Dante does a great job of like creating melodrama without giving us any answers, mm-hmm. like Tom Hanks creating like the supernatural and the feel like something is big going on throughout the movie for like the first hour before we even have like an inkling of what's going on like there's like a there's like a weird lights coming out of the basement and then there's like fog he steps onto the uh the front yard and the, and all this wind is blowing um you know they he the the neighbor uh he throws these huge trash bags in, into the uh, the trash he the metal drives trash it to the curb right. in the car yeah that's great and you're like why and then the, the 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 characters call him out call it call that out it's like i've never seen anyone drive the trash <laughs> to the front end and then whack it with a big stick mm-hmm. yeah and so what you've got is like you've got the neighbor like putting the trash into the bin and then Push, hammering it down with like a, a hoe, you yeah. know, and that which get, he also drove down to the curb yeah, with him. and but you get that you get the motion and energy of like he's killing something and it's still not revealing anything in the story. And there's like another moment where Tom Hanks has a dream and it, things go over the top, and so you're able to kind of get these big cartoony moments mm-hmm. when we still don't know anything about the neighbors. We don't, yeah, and they find the neighbor's dog they find walter's precious little poodle queenie and of course walter would never leave queenie behind which uh there's a moment where the sexy wife of bruce stern's character picks up the dog and she does uh what i always like to call bad improv in movies where she narrates aloud the actions that she's taking Uh you wouldn't believe how much trouble i have teaching people not to do this in their improv scenes where she's like well hello little dog well you're all dirty and i wonder if walter knows that you're outside let's just take you in and see what the thing is like i get that she's talking to the dog but like show us don't tell us (laughs) Um, but they use that as justification to straight up break in 
to Walter's house. Oh yeah, They're, steal his stuff. They are shameless in breaking into homes, like and breaking things yeah, in the home in front of people. <laughs> yes, tearing off the uh, the wallpaper in front of he the rips it. Yeah, they have real boundary issues. Yeah, they find his toupee, and that's like evidence that something terrible has happened. And yeah, now... so they fi- the wives finally say, "Cut the crap." They they get a, a plate full of brownies. They're going to talk to the neighbors. They actually meet the neighbors and go into the Clopex. Am I pronouncing that right? Clopex, yep. Clopex. Um, the Clopex home. So this might be a good moment to talk about the treatment of the 80s ladies. Yes. In this movie. Because it was not great. Like, constantly art has this narrative of... What are you going to listen to your wife? Don't do what your wife says. You're coming over here to smoke cigars. You're going to wait from your wife. Like being a wife is the worst thing you can be oh, yeah. in this guy's universe. He's causing a lot of fights between. Yeah, girls. And his wife is away. So he's able to be like the the rooster, you know. Yeah. And, you know, like the wives are totally being the voice of reason. Let's go over there. Yeah. Let's just ask questions. Let's be polite. You know, our plan is to just be cool and friendly and see what we can do and they're so mean to them immediately after we leave the clopex house we need to talk about what happens in the clopex house but as soon as they leave uh ray is like i think the ladies are right um we clearly have lost our minds on this one guys let's go talk in the study ladies you're correct Mm -hmm. and then immediately they're both like take your balls out of your wife's purse man what are you pussy whipped and then he's like, yeah, we got to go over there and break in right away. Right. And I guess he's able to just send Carrie Fisher away. Go. Be go. gone. Be gone. You are dismissed. I don't want you here. Um, but yeah, it's like this. Carrie this... Fisher, side note, looks great. Oh, this. my God. She looks amazing. Well, that's what oh, I yeah. mentioned, too. Like, the wives are always dressed so nice. It's I guess it's that suburban preppy sort of thing. Like, they're always dressed in really nice dresses. They look fantastic. Carrie Fisher looks amazing. The woman who plays Bruce Dern's wife, of course, looks fantastic. And their husbands sort of treat them terribly it's like this, garbage it's this joke version of toxic masculinity <laughs> which is like but isn't it funny how horribly we treat our wives and i'm glad to say that that isn't as much of a joke anymore when you see it in these 80s movies it just like really jumps yeah, I would, out that's that's really the dated aspect of this movie and mm-hmm. i mean as as some of these 80s movies go i would not say that the burbs has tons of datedness it's just yeah. this yeah it's just a couple of blips it's just that yeah i would yeah. i would say that 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 probably is that the- and and we don't see anyone but white people into the last two minutes of the yes <laughs> that's absolutely correct 100 percent correct um yeah and just like his fights with carrie Fisher are always so like he's yelling at her because she's trying to tell him to take a relaxing vacation. Yeah. And he's like, screaming <laughs> at her. Uh, anyway, so in the Clopex house, yes, I love Bruce Dern keeps turning that painting over mm-hmm. to try and figure out which way it goes. And he's ripping their wallpaper and he is really aggressively straight just accusing them. Oh, yeah. Being murderers. He's terrible at sort of tiptoeing around at this. Right. Um, and then we meet finally the doctor, Doctor Klopek. That was a gross scene. It really grossed me out. The eating of the sardine on the pretzel. 
and then the hand. Have you ever had a sardine before? I have never had a sardine. They're I will never bad. have a sardine. They're bad. No, they're bad. <laughs> um, what did you think of? Yeah, the cartooniness and the silliness of that dream sequence. Yeah. Him being roasted on a barbecue. I think that's good because it 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 a it gives us great trailer moments because mm-hmm. what can they really show in the trailer of just people being suspicious you've got to have these big cartoony moments it's so there, there's a lot in the trailer that's not actually in the movie yeah yeah uh b um it it kind of internalizes or externalizes what's going on in in tom hanks's mind mm-hmm. but it also it kind of uh, uh it allows us to have those again that heighten the moments of like of uh, melodrama when we still don't know anything about these these neighbors yet you know it's mm-hmm. it's kind of a big mystery and then when they finally discover it then it's kind of like very plain like there's no giant melodrama except them destroying someone's home yeah <laughs> yeah because we get to meet the doctor and he seems very normal and he sort yeah. of has an explanation for everything and yeah the most playfulness when the movie the movies the first hour is the most playful mm-hmm. of the whole thing because it's it's all this melodrama of what if and them mm-hmm. not and trying to discover things and and stuff like that and, and it's not into, and then the second half is it gets a little more bogged down in it's kind of it's just like a little too much shoe leather of of yeah. all these little things they need to do. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because I thought it was sort of funny their whole plan to like cut the power. You get funny moments from it though, so they cut yeah. the power to the Clopex house uh, because they have all these alarms and things. And uh, Art, like he's like he just gets for the rest of the movie all these funny moments of like, oh gosh, my fingernails are black. <laughs> His credit cards are all melted right. into yeah. stumps. Um, but then Bruce Stern just sits on the roof and watches them. Yeah, he's not given much at that point. But they go dig up the backyard, and each hole has its own shovel. <laughs> as if they're like, well, we brought eight shovels. We need to dig eight holes. And the way you know we're done is we just prop the shovel up in the dirt. That was cartoony. Yeah. That was something straight out of a Bugs Bunny cartoon there. I did like also that art changes costumes for everything. Like he's in the golf costume and then he changes into like a meter man costume or what do you call the people who climb up the uh, lineman? Yeah. He's dressed up like that. He just changes his costume for yeah, everything. This is all play for him. Yeah. And he's totally an instigating dick. Uh, but of course, Corey Feldman at this point, once things start getting real, he's calling people over like all his 80s teenage, I guess, young adult, maybe. I find it real hard to pin down what, what he's all about. Um, orders pizza. One million pizzas, apparently. It, yeah, it kind of turned into a block party. Yeah, where everybody's just watching the shenanigans unfold. And then we get to the end, where Tom Hanks is going to town in the basement. So, yeah, he in the basement. of the, So they're convinced that they're killing people. Mm-hmm. They're convinced that they killed the, the old neighbor. Is it Walter? Walter. Um, because they found his toupee in their home mm-hmm. along with mail um and uh and so he they find this enormous furnace um in the basement and then there's like this pile of ash like this and then they start digging up the floor convinced that there's bones buried in there they spend the whole day doing this too. yeah 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 because the, the neighbors had already told them that they were going to be out for the day mm-hmm which, which to me means I'll be home by 3 p.m. Yeah. Luckily for these guys, it meant like <laughs> 8 or 9. It's dark out. Yeah, so he 
just will not give up. He digs until he hits a gas line, and the house explodes. <laughs> and and then he comes out with like half of his face melted off. Mm-hmm. He and we get that wonderful Hanks moment where he just sort of walk falls down the stairs, mm-hmm. which Tom Hanks is so. He's just so brilliant at this brand of everyman physical humor that's not over the top. Mm-hmm. It's just so familiar and it's it's like warms you up. Yeah. It's just yeah, so yeah. good. Even when he's doing that Tom Hanks yelling, like the early 80s or the late 80s Tom Hanks yelling like, I am calm. Like, yes, I'm relaxing. I'm going to relax with my beers. I'm Tom Hanks yelling. I just love it. I love... I'm glad he's in this movie. I don't think it would be as good without him in that role because you immediately like him, even though he's making these terrible choices mm-hmm. and and really being the villain of this piece from some <laughs> points of view. Uh-huh. Um, this was kind of yeah. the tail end of Tom Hanks playing these kind of weenies mm-hmm. who can't get what he wants mm-hmm. and is yelling all the time. You know, after this was like Joe versus the volcano and mm-hmm. and something else, and then and then it was Philadelphia, and they became for a while mainly dramatic. Mm-hmm. You know, until like a league of their own, which is a movie I love. I love it so much. Um, the most excellent '90s podcast. We will yes do. next. No, it's the totally tubular '90s totally podcast. Tubular. Right. Um, very excited. Like I love the end, though. I like the way it plays out. We watch an alternate ending, but I like the way this ending plays out because we get that moment of Tom Hanks just exploding at his neighbors like, Mm -hmm. you guys are monsters. Yeah. 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 This is your fault. You you broke into these people's homes because they're a little bit different than us because they don't water their lawns as often as we do. Like, you turn me into a monster. Put me in the ambulance and take me to the hospital. So he gets that moment where they realize that they're the bad guys and the the mm-hmm. bad guys haven't really done anything wrong and and we're led to believe that for about 60 seconds until then in the uh the ambulance they try to kill him so i guess they shot so we watched the original ending where the ambulance drives into art's house and starts another fire they tumble out on the gurney uh-huh. and ride through the town <laughs> fighting on the back of a gurney the pizza truck spills over with just like one million pizzas and how does Corey feldman have money to buy these pizzas parents man i want to solve the mystery of what his character is all about um and then yeah that's what we need is more scenes more scenes of (laughs) explaining to me what Corey feldman's deal is um i did read that he was like friends with Michael Jackson at the time that they were filming this. So the the chimpanzee bubbles would always be in his trailer. And Joe Dante had to finally put his foot down and be like, get that chimpanzee out of here. Uh-huh. No, thank you. And then the alternate ending was just like a more boring version of that. Yeah, just say? a flatter, less dramatic. Less fun. Yeah, for sure. Same result. And then we know they shot an ending where Ray is killed. Oh, dear. Oh, where, where they, it's kind of the dark twist where mm-hmm. the ambulance and he's hes in there and it's like, well, Mr. Tom Hanks, it's time to die. Yeah. Duh, the end, the movie. Yeah. And they kill him and they were like, oh, this is too dark. Yeah. Don't do it. I, but I've never seen that. Yeah. I don't know if you can find it any place. Or should you? Um, And then what did you think of the two sort of buttons? We get 
two buttons mm-hmm. on this movie, both of which I find not great. The uh, okay, so what are the two buttons? Uh, Art's wife gets home. My wife right. is home. My wife. <laughs> That's button one. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then button two is Corey Feldman. Uh, he like says goodbye to Tom Hanks. Yeah. Uh, who finally decides to go and on a then... fucking nice vacation with his family? Get it together, Tom Hanks. Go on a nice vacation. And with where's your, family. your child gone? He's, he's gone. <laughs> you're, sh- <laughs> you're shooting at night. You couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> you only get, get the kids for four hours a day. Couldn't get them. That's that's the really that's the real answer. Is mm-hmm. that you can only have minors on set for a certain amount of time, and they still have to be going to school. And so uh, you use any excuse you can to not have them on set. Mm-hmm. God, those Harry Potter movies must have been a fucking nightmare. Yikes! Don't sign me up for that. Uh, so Tom Hanks sort of tells Corey Feldman, like, look after the neighborhood for me while I'm away. And then Corey Feldman turns to camera mm-hmm. and says... Breaking, yeah, breaking the fourth wall, turning to the audience and saying, I love this neighborhood. What, what, what did you think of... What? And that was in both endings. It sure was. That was the thing to keep. Yeah. They're like, whatever happens. I wonder if that happens in the, in the one where notes. Tom Hanks dies. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Hanks is dead. Everyone realizes their mistake. Corey Feldman turns to camera and says, I love this neighborhood. Yeah. Mm. What did you think of this? I didn't like those buttons. I, I in the in the uh the ending that's in the actual movie, I like um the the much more melodramatic trunk that is full that was like one of the things I remembered from the actual movie mm-hmm. way back when is the trunk popping up and they're just being being filled with skulls and bones and things like that. That's that's way better than what they had in the deleted scene, which yeah. was very kind of flat. I agree that that's funnier, but it's also sort of like Corey Feldman just being like, oh, yeah, there's a trunk full of bones here. Did you guys not see this trunk full of bones? Whoa! This is a trunk full of bones. Uh-huh. So if there hadn't been that, and then yeah. and then Dr. Klopek just sort of there's sheepishly just, is like, did I do that? Yeah. The, the problem with the ending is that there's so many moving parts. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not simple. It's not like... Boom, boom, boom. It's just all these branches mm-hmm. going off. So do you think this movie holds up? Do you think that it could be remade for today's audience? What do you think? I, I think it holds up as well as it did back then. I think the things that don't work about it and things that do work about it are, have more or less stayed the same. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I yeah, I, I think... So the answer, I guess, is yes, it holds up. That doesn't make it necessarily a better or worse movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, I, I do know some people who um, this was a very special, silly movie to them, and and uh, seeing Tom Hanks and all the darkness and all the over the topness that they 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 loved. Um, it's sort of safe so, darkness. So I don't, yeah, ex- that's a, yeah exactly, and so. Um, it's, it, I can't, re- there's parts that just didn't work for me, but I can't really rag on it. I can't say that it was bad. You know, it wasn't necessarily my type of taste. Um, but I, I certainly enjoyed like the, the, the beginning, you mm-hmm. know, the first hour. I think you could remake this. Yeah. I think there's some way where you could remake this. Yeah. The problem is, is that there's been so many ver- variations of the, the house at the edge of the, the neighborhood. The neighborhood. Yeah. The the weird ones like 
and I think it looks different now. Like obviously, it would have to be a a more multicultural neighborhood that mm-hmm. didn't just have yeah. white people because it, it, it. part of the story is also about like what is suburbia like suburbia it was kind of a relatively new concept like from the 60s to the 80s mm-hmm. you know what you know it's like these suburban areas just large areas built of just homes and things like that it was a little more integrated before in terms of homes and shops and mm-hmm. all that stuff yeah, and like just the sort of the idea yeah, of that. I mean, ET kind of deals with that too. Yeah, you know. I, and I think that Klopek says at one point, like, this is the problem with suburbia: is that you come here, you paint your house the wrong shade, you forget to mow your lawn once, you kill a few people, and all of a sudden you're the enemy. I thought that yeah. was kind of a funny line that maybe yeah. they should have kept. Yeah. And so, so if you remade this, maybe you'd make it a gated community, you yeah. know, and you'd have like the HOA. Yeah, and maybe the question is, like, are we... Yeah, make it even a little more so, because if anything, like, <laughs> you know, some, some like, suburban, mm-hmm. it, it's it's a little more, you know, uh, nuts in terms of control and organization and things like that. Yeah, and, and why are we suspicious of these things that we're suspicious of? Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, we've we've sort of gone around around and around about these, like, sort of gender swap things. But I think one way that you update it is you make it the wives who are... Suspicious, suspicious and the guys who are dense. And the guys who are, like, come on, honey, you're being a little bit over the right. top. You know how... You're home from well, your job. I, I think if we're so gonna stressed. if we're going to modernize it, you'd, you, you would... You would blend it a little more, you know, mm-hmm. like you instead have at least of it, one gay inst- couple. Well, yeah, <laughs> but instead of it making like the guys versus the girls, you could have it be some of the girls, some of the guys, mm-hmm. you know. And don't just make it that thing where the wife is a stick in the mud. Yeah, yeah, we're not sticks in the mud. We are the mud. Like Wait, you, you could, I, I mean, you could you could see some someone like Kristen Wiig and Will Forte be on the same team. Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, throw a throw a Kevin Hart in there. Yeah, and and then you and then you've got like a weird thing about like their two best buds on this, and what do their partners think is going on? Mm-hmm. You know, you could add some complexity there. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I like it. Who's their Who's their uh, okay, weird so, teenage neighbor? It's still Corey Feldman. It's still Corey Feldman. Yeah, it's no, still, absolutely. He still lives on that block. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be perfect. But he's playing Corey Feldman. Yes, <laughs> Corey Feldman just lives on the block. I'm, I'm, I would go see this movie. <laughs> yeah, write it right now. Uh-huh. We've right. come up with another winner. Mm-hmm. Um, so on a scale of like one trunk skull, femurs. To ten, how many femurs? Yes, how many femurs do you give this on a scale of one femur to ten femurs. Uh, of how well it holds up. Of how well it holds up. I'm going with 6.5. Okay. I think that I, I would uh, maybe yeah, have... 6.5, I think, we've is been, I feel like we've been a little tough on the burbs. We have there's been. A lot great. To, there's a lot to like. I think that this is a fun movie. And for some people, there's a lot to love. There is. There is. Um, I just... I don't know. I think you could find a more fun... No, maybe I don't. I, you're That's right. That's the thing. I, I I think if anything, like one of the reasons we're we're kind of negative Nancy's right now is because the first hour works so well, mm-hmm. and then it gets kind of just bogged down. Yeah, maybe if they picked up the pace on that last on ramping it up on yeah. heighten if they had heightened it faster, which I think a modern update would do. Like they would take it to nine as soon as yeah the first mistake. Yeah, I feel made. like the best version of. 
the 100 minute long the burbs is it like a 92 minute the burbs mm-hmm. i'm with you i enjoyed it though i like it i, I recommend it yeah, yeah, i think yeah. people should watch it um what is your deep cut recommendation if people like the burbs what fun thing would they also that's a great question what's your deep cut recommendation <laughs> All right, let's either. take a let's take a pause. Oh, oh wait, yes, <laughs> wait. Um, okay, I know what mine is. Okay, go for it. And it's totally the threads of this are so paper thin. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> the connective tissue is this. So I want to recommend Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle. Oh yeah, yeah. The uh the most recent uh, it's not a remake. It's it's sort of an yeah. A, I just saw sequel. that two nights ago. Um, I love it so much. I came up with a, cu- a couple of jokes for that that were a little better than what they had. Better than what they had? <laughs> I love it so much. I, I think that Jack Black is so wonderful in it. And The Rock is so wonderful in it. I think that they're oh, yeah. all... It is just... It is such a wonderful movie. And then uh, uh, at the end... I'm Well, I don't want to spoil it, but there is a Hank's connection that mm-hmm. made me really oh, happy yeah. mm-hmm. where I was just like, what? Yay. And so you'll have to watch Jumanji. Welcome to the jungle. You're welcome. And then when you get to the end, you'll know why I'm connecting it. Well, they this. also have like the dark gray house at the ed- end of the. Yes, they the- do. Thank you for connecting it further. I guess mm-hmm. they all live on the same street in this. Yes. And they have the scary house on the corner, mm-hmm. which is where the Hanks connection comes in paper thin yeah (laughs) all right so my also paper thin (laughs) deep cut recommendation is another joe dante movie which um i also haven't seen in as long but i have a really fond memory of which is matinee oh do you remember that is that the one it's during the cuban missile crisis Uh it's so it's kind of intercutting the paranoia that, oh, my God, the world is going to end this weekend mm-hmm. because of the Cuban Missile Crisis. You know, his dad is building a bunker. But there's also a visiting kind of um, theater, ex- movie theater experience, you know, with like, you know, the 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 vibrators under the, the chairs and the giant ant people. and they actually come through the screen. Right? Yeah, and so it's like, a, it's like a crossover between these childhood memories um, of when the world was going to end and like these over-the-top uh, kind of uh, movie roadshows. Oh, so, okay. With John That's Goodman. Good. All right, so do we want to know how the Burbs did against its competition in 1989? Yes. So what was it up against? It's number 34, and it was beat out by the top movies, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, number one is Batman. Then Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Lethal Weapon 2, Look Who's Talking, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Back to the Future 2, Ghostbusters 2, Driving Miss Daisy, Parenthood, and the oh, Dead man. Poet Society. That is a year. That is a year. We should do all those movies. Let's do them right now. <laughs> Let's do them right now. You're in for a treat, listeners. <laughs> This is the 12-hour long the marathon, marathon podcast. Um, okay, so this is sort of the official end of like what we were calling season one. Yeah. And rather than move into a season two where... where we, we go back to the eight, 1980, 1980 and then rip all the way to 89 again. We're going to just kind of let it flow. 
We're just going to let it free flow. So kind of explain what our concept is then. So I, I guess, okay, so instead of kind of like doing it in seasons, we're just going to keep doing episodes. And um, instead of there being kind of the guiding principle that we go from 80, 81, 82 sequentially, we're just going to kind of like go through cool 80s movies that we really like. We're not necessarily going to do all the big blockbusters. We're going to do occasionally sometimes some some double features, I guess, where mm-hmm. we do like two, like maybe we're talking about two Sylvester Stallone movies. Like a back mini to theme. Back. Yeah, like a mini theme, like two movies back to back. Like mm-hmm. maybe the same actor or maybe it's two James Bond movies or two Back to the Future movies or something like that. And 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 you know just kind of go with our with our our instinct our fancy you know we've got a, a huge list of of eighties movies that are are crazy that were influential to us you guys have let us know what eighties movies you think are totally eighties and we're also going to see some stuff that we've never seen that other mm-hmm. people have seen absolutely so keep those suggestions coming though like if there's if there's something you want to see us talk about. Do do let us know, you yeah. know, hit us up on the pod, mostexcellentpod.com, uh, uh, mostexcellentpod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram, mostexcellentpod, and Facebook, most excellent Facebook group. Let us know what 80s movies you want to see because we're just going to do what's exciting to us. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, you know, I'm, the, real, the reason that we're doing this this podcast is because... These were the movies of our childhood, mm-hmm. you know. This is it was a specific time. We had a specific memory of some of these. And just want to see if they hold up or we want to revisit some stuff that was influential to us. Absolutely. Um and be be just a teaser, there may be some exciting live shows happening maybe if you're in the Phoenix area. Keep your ear to the ground for that news. Yeah. All right. So where can people find Nathan Blackwell? <laughs> so, okay. So uh, you can find me at Squishy Studios at squishystudios.com. And you can also check out my uh, sci-fi comedy web series, Voyage Trekkers. Do that for sure. Uh, you can find me in addition to all the most excellent uh, places at nctphoenix.com or live and in person at NCT Phoenix, the place, which you can find out about on the online. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, um, all that podcast stuff, you know, tell a friend, share us, subscribe, help us out, help people find us. We appreciate it. Um, And always remember to keep the most excellent podcast motto in mind. Be excellent to each other and Satan Satan is good. Satan is our pal. (laughs) Oh, do we tease what the next movie is? Oh, we should. Absolutely. Let's tease what the next movie is. And tune in next not next week it's in two weeks in two weeks and tune in in two weeks when we watch crocodile dundee crocodile dundee i'm very excited he smokes in an elevator in that movie (laughs) an elevator it's madness ah the 80s (laughs) so join us for that thank you so much bye good night mate good night